Okay, we're going live everyone in 30 seconds. I got my new sounds. Oh, pressing the wrong buttons here, Hamza. Let's get ready, okay? You gotta act professional now. This is not any amateur show, we're on LinkedIn. I'll have a professionals, okay? So make sure everything's tipped up, ready to go. What else have I got here? Some buttons. No more sounds, no more sounds. Got a little cricket noise there, what's that about? All right, four seconds. Three, two, one. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Architecture Social Live. And I'm joined here with a fantastic guest. That's the only sound I had there, but we need a more epic. We need a more epic, epic, epic reveal for you, where I've got a proper architect in the making, studying his part three, content creator, and YouTube extraordinaire. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that? Well, actually, I'm going to say it anyways. Hamza, you are here on LinkedIn. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, and I'm going to have to speak fairly quiet because there's a kid, a yeah, my kid, sleeping yeah. in the other room. <laughs> well, don't, well, don't worry. We're a perfect match for that because I'm extremely loud. So between us... Yeah. You know, well, look, sorry. first of all, that intro was, you should have a show on the BBC, mate. I don't know how it's not happened yet. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But okay, before we talk about today's agenda, I've, I've upped the production, okay? So I've got a few things. I want you to critique my show quickly before we talk about the future of architects. So I've got okay. memes, okay? And I've, I've looked hard for architecture memes, okay? So did you know Frank Gehry was in The Simpsons? Yes. You know, you did. And there we go, there's his building. So I got an architecture <laughs> meme for you. And as well as that, um, I got my favorite meme at the moment, which is working from home, which I think is perfect, isn't <laughs> it? That seems, seems like what it's like for me. So I've got that, and I've got some other surprises as well, okay? But we'll roll on. We'll roll on because this is not all about memes, even though I love a good <laughs> meme. This is actually a serious conversation. So I'll get my bell ready. That's a real bell. Serious. Wow. It depends. It'll, it's, it'll, the intention will be serious, but then I'm hosting, mm -hmm. so it tends to derail and go off in a tangent. But we thought we would talk about today discussing the future generation of architects what that entails in this new, new, modern world. Now, before we go on to that, if anyone hasn't seen you online or anything like that, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're up to? And then we can, we can go into the topic. Yeah, sure. It's always hard to kind of describe it. I'll be honest with you, because there's quite a few things and yeah. I haven't sort of consolidated everything into one place. However, two worlds design is the most consolidated form of what I do. So if you guys yes. want to go and check out two worlds design, um.co.uk, everything is there. Essentially, I create a podcast series which explores the multidisciplinary potential of architecture. So for like the last four or five years, I've been not very regularly, but you know, 
with waves of busyness, been speaking to people on the on the fringes of architecture. There you are. You're yeah, like brilliant. you're here and you're in the trailer. This is your website. And <laughs> yes, I like your podcast, by the way. Which is seriously yeah, cool. Yes, it it was an amazing uh, sort of journey that I started in the middle of my masters. And I wanted to make the most of the sound recording facilities at the University of Westminster um, and all the incredible researchers and practitioners around me in central London. So I was like, I might as well start a podcast series. And um, yeah, it was just it was just a trip because I, I, you can see in the images I spoke to Angela Brady, the ex-president of RIBA, yeah. Adam Nathaniel Furman, who's just killing it as a, as a designer. And so yeah. the theme, as I mentioned, is just people with architectural backgrounds who are doing something on the fringe. And I think that yeah. kind of ties into the broader topic today anyway. Um, but as you can see as well, I do drawings. I think I took a lot of, um, I spent a lot of time trying to create accessible tutorials, workshops for students who really felt in university, as I did, yeah. that there was not enough resources to learn, you know, the practical skills related to drawing. And sure. so I just started sharing my, my drawings and process and yeah, one thing led well, to another. Well, it looks really, really good. And one of the um, one of the episodes that I watched and enjoyed in particular was with you with Marcus from Design. Now, mm. and that and I have there was there was like it was an interesting episode. And and you know, I'm building the architecture of social, and you build online platforms as well. So it was quite interesting to hear a man who's done a lot in his career, who's built this massive website. And I quite enjoyed, uh, although again, a little bit controversial where, you know, he's saying, so what's your favorite architect and all this stuff? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not interested in that. And you're like, what? You run the biggest architecture website. And he's like, no, I've got to keep my, you know, the line set. Right? On, yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was, that was interesting. That, I've got some insights, some hidden stories about that interview, if you want. Um, so just getting him yeah. on the podcast, get, getting him to agree was just a massive task. I mean, of course, yeah. Let's be honest; he's a he's a big deal, you know. If we're if yeah. we're going to be just blatantly honest, the guy who found Design. I think for my generation, I can't speak for older generations, but we were we were raised in university knowing Design as like almost like the Bible. Like you know, you go yeah. and get your references, and you know the database they've created. When you think about it, hindsight is is incredible it's, it's next to nothing right now because you know you just go into the design database type in anything you want you get drawings inspiration precedent research yeah. everything so he really was somebody who drastically influenced the field of architecture as a journalist yeah. and so yeah so the way i actually got that interview because a lot of people ask how did you get marcus fears and I, I sent a bunch of emails um, of which there were no response. But then, yeah. then I was like, let me just jump into his DMs. So I think Oof. I just, I just instantly DM'd him. You <laughs> slipped right in there. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> You're like, hey, yeah, I love that. That's, I just slipped into brilliant. his DMs. I was like, Marcus, you know, do you want to jump on the podcast? And he was like, yeah. And then he gave me his PA's email. I emailed the PA and I think the PA was like, sorry, Marcus is too busy for this. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah I've got his permission. Did you know? I was like, I was, I'm in his DMs, okay? okay? I literally, that's what I did. I just sent him the screenshot and CC'd Marcus and he's like, no, I'm doing this. But, you know, yeah, 
Amazing. When we got there, when we got there, I set up my 180p HD camcorder from probably 2007 that I bought from CEX secondhand electronics yeah. store yeah. and um, got these these Amazon, you know, um, mic holders and put two two phones in there to record the audio. And I, I could tell he was a bit like, oh, this is not what I expected. <laughs> Well, but then the conversation well, started and I got my interview. <laughs> you got your interview and I, I felt the production was all right. You know, I think like, um, uh, well, you know more than anyone, especially with cameras and stuff. There's there's like a level of, there's the nice cameras, but to be honest, as long as the audio is the main thing. And let me tell you, Hamza, yes. I've recorded a few podcasts and at the end, the audio is a bit crappy and you're like, ah, what do I do? Because that can really stop people listening. But it it, it was it was good. Actually, while you're speaking, we've got one or two people in the audience because this is a live show. And so Emily Foster, and Emily is a really, really cool architectural apprentice at AHMM. She helped a lot, especially in the architecture social. During the start, says, congratulations on winning the Individual of the Year Award. Was that last night then? Did you win? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, you're... Emily. Yeah, I did. All right. We, we've got to have a virtual round of applause for that, haven't we? I have to update this little, you know, when it comes out and I, you know, take the, the take the sound and put it on Spotify. Now you're the individual of the year. Okay. Well, yeah. there you there you go. I'll show People, you. I got I got a little frame for yeah, it. Yeah, let's get let's, let's get out the award. I haven't got like um a drum roll which isn't sarcastic and I don't want to do that, so Yes. Good for you. They're actually yeah. cool. That trust is really cool, isn't it? I didn't know much about the Thornton Education Trust. That's really cool. Yeah, I think they just launched. It's it's an incredible cool. initiative. And you know, it was it was just a crazy feeling to be, you know, you know, before even winning, just sat there listening to and kind of absorbing what was happening. You yeah. know, realizing that there there is now a force and there is more recognition of people doing things on the fringe of architecture. Yeah. Um because you know all the people there, whether you want to call them, you know, practitioners in the field, or they were all doing something different to practice, and yeah. you know, inspiring, as the award says, inspiring the future generation of architects. Yeah, yeah. But everyone's on auto drive, and they're just doing it. And I think the the first thing I felt was, and I think you could be definitely included into this because you know we're 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 a bunch of people who are putting out free content out there constantly and we right. all are driven by one thing and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just, if you can inspire one person, if one person is taking value from what you're doing, it just makes it worth it. So mm. you're not even thinking about money. You're not even thinking about, um, you know, all these material things. So I just had that weird realization yesterday that for the first time, things that are slightly alternative to practice are being recognized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, this bleeds into the conversation that we're probably going to have today. But yeah, well, it reminds me some of the stuff that you do in particular, Hamza, because you, you know, you, you're good at sketching as well. It reminds me there's a really good website online called The Future, you know, without the E at the end. And so they're kind of like an online uh, trendsetter, more in graphic design and motion design as well. And they're really, really cool. But you're right. I think what's interesting about, online i and this i think there's a nice trade-off isn't it because um i find that it's really nice doing one-on-ones it's really nice going and and being involved in seminars being involved in discussions but one of the interesting things about being online is that that 
can reach a wider audience and you have the live audience and then you have the audience which watches the replay so the reach is infinitely more it's a little bit scary though i mean we're alive now and like you know i've got bells and it's not edited and we could say anything your baby at any moment you know lovely beautiful baby life happens and i think you've got to be okay with going with the flow but i think for a lot of people that it can be a little bit too scary kind of going into that zone because naturally as professionals you worry about you we all have that humanistic thing of like oh gosh what if i say something will that affect my career will that yeah. affect my situation i mean yeah. i feel that and i get the stress have you felt like that before being a professional you know architect in the making part two studying your part three and making content as well I feel it now. I feel I've I've said it to people <laughs> around me constantly. Like I feel like one day I might get cancelled, and yeah, it, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, you said it as well. So it's just like, yeah, I think it's it's not as a result of it's it's as a result of we we are in a very judgmental profession. Mm. We're in a very politicized profession. There's yes. all sorts of social political groups involved who have who have very close ties to politics, and that's just the reality of it. Yeah, obviously we have quite a big reach into the social political realm because that's the power of architecture. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think architecture is so much more than just one thing, and mm. there's massive there's a massive shift happening at the moment. I think not just in the way architecture as a field is kind of spreading its wings, but I think also hopefully the infrastructure around it, the conversations, the discourse, it's, it's opening up more and more mm. um, as it should. So yeah, I think you're right. We're in, a, we're in a field where it is difficult for people to really feel like they can express their personal views. And, but I think that's, the just, that's just the difficulty of the profession we're in because you wouldn't say the same thing for like, um, let's just say midwifery. You know, they're not on LinkedIn mm. talking about their political views. They just mm. get on with their jobs. But yeah. because our profession is so unique in a way, we are we're, we're more often than not in positions of talking about politics, talking about difficult issues. So I think the main thing is people need to be accepting and we need to keep kind of nourishing that kind of accepting everyone's views and yeah. allowing more space for discussion and discourse to, to happen. I, I agree. And I think, I think well, well said. Um, I think... The, the the scariness of being out there is that you can you you we can naturally worry that it might affect your career in some shape or form i have some active friends at the moment right and one of like my clients who is amazing super talented it's like well done on the podcast steve but you'll never get me on there and i'm like why not and he's like over my dead body and this is like one of the most smartest people i know with no real controversial views but i just totally get it he's just like I am going to do my thing in the background and I'm not going to be on the air. However, I believe, like you said, that actually there's that deep, there's that deep feeling of, I don't trust if this gets out there, maybe how my employers will react or how my team will react. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think that we can all, it's good to loosen up a bit. And what I've learned anecdotally is that once you get on a live stream, 
you're not really going to say anything that bad. And if something is misinterpreted, then just be open about it and say what you meant and move on from it. But there's probably usually a lot more to gain from it. So, for example, you've won that award last night. I imagine that's been a lot of work in the making. Or let's talk about a few of your content creation friends like Tom Roundry. It does. It's like YouTube is a grind. It's hard work. Like it's mm -hmm. not all the glamour of just the image. You know, the video. You've got to edit that thing. You've got to get the punches right. You've got to work out when to post this content. You've got to work out the message. You've got to get the thumbnail. It's so much work there that actually it's it's like this whole different life alongside your career i mean how have you found it where do you get the time with a with a beautiful baby doing your part three and as well as content creating i i got asked that in an interview recently and yeah. i get asked that a lot by just like people who when they find out what i do and they're like how the hell do you do that and it's been years of me trying to find a way to answer this question. And I don't know how, yeah, because I'm, I, I'm not cognizant of why I'm not, I'm not consciously thinking of why it's working. I'm, I just feel like I'm on an auto drive. That's yeah. what I was saying as well. As, that's what I said in the speech yesterday as well. I feel like, and I, I, I hope, and I feel there's other people out there who are also just on auto drive. I think you, you yourself, you know, you're heavily involved in the profession and you're doing crazy production, content creation, creating these platforms. You, you're on well, auto drive, I assume as well. Well, that's kind. And you're right. I always joke. We have a mutual friend, Sana at scale. Now I would drive Sana insane because and I get along with very well. Why I mean I drive her insane is that I am I have no lists. I go with my gut and mm -hmm. I whack out the content. And that kind <coughs> of works. The downside is though, sometimes no lists, it can get a bit stressful. And like me and you were relaxed doing this today. I didn't really send you much preparation. I did a graphic. I said, hey, show up, trust you. Hopefully you trust me. But then I you got I've what I've learned is I've got to be respectful of different people. And sometimes people like like a briefing. They like to know yeah. that to bring the mic. And so that's what I've got to learn from Hamza rather than just going, hey, don't worry, it'll be fine. We'll live stream. Well, no, everyone's got their own work workflow. Mm. Everyone's got their own efficiency. I think, you know, the way I answered that question in the interview was um, it feels like everything is aligned for me and it took a while yeah. for that to happen. So, you know, the YouTube content creation, it's kind of compartmentalized in my head. The yeah. Instagram drawings that I do, that's also a separate part in my head. Um, the professional work is also, I mean, that takes up a bigger part of my head because I'm doing it five days a week. Yeah. That that's also a separate part of my head. But if you made a diagram, each one of them is connected. And right. you could think of it as all the, because I, okay, look, I think the basis is I'm obsessively curious. I'm obsessively yeah. curious. I love I'm an that. overthinker. Yeah, I, 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 constantly make my wife's life hell because of deep thinking and questioning and you know can i ask what does your wife do is she an architect or another career no she she's a midwife that's why i right, okay. the, the I think yeah, what I've, i think it's good when i cut like i've seen the architecture couple the two architects and while I, <laughs> one of my they they're really good friends i can go for drinks with but then they'll have that talk with each other so yeah I, I think it's quite nice then you both got different careers is that right yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's also an interesting conversation of like, you know, how you can, some people like the fact that they can come home and they can relate 100% with that person. Mm. Um, but 
part of me also loves the fact that I, I can come home and I can switch off. And yeah. to be honest, I, I say that, but I do bombard her with architectural stuff. She yeah, checks yeah. my posts before I post them. She's well, probably good. as knowledgeable as a part one architectural assistant. You know, she could probably do that job. She's learned a lot um, from my annoying uh, behavior. But no, I think what I'm saying is everything is connected yes. to the point where, you know, whenever I'm curious about a topic, which is often, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a separate stream that I have in my head. And I think, okay, I need to go and find a specialist to talk to that about. Mm. That's then going to inform the way I look at my practice and look at my work. And that's why it's important for me to find the perfect practice who's going to, you know, who's going to, as you know, we, we talked about this before as well, who's going to kind of accommodate for someone I didn't use this word, but people have used it. The practice that I'm talking to use it about thought leadership. You right. Know, if you have a practice that embraces thought leadership, that is, uh, that's just, that's the kind of place I need to be. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I will get on and I will work really hard and I will do all of the serious professional work, but I'm also going to be thinking about the wider profession. Yeah. And great. it's, and, and I can confidently say it, they're going to aid each other. Yeah, so for me, it's all I, connected. I think so, and uh, I, I, I'm really pleased that you're saying, talking about your employer getting involved, you know, embracing it. Because I do think that what I would say is that from because I I work with a lot of companies, and, and especially when in terms of recruitment and attracting people and interest and engagement in the company, like getting involved on these social media channels is worth its weight in gold because and and as the agenda is and i'll bring up the banner here because this is a professional podcast but we're discussing the future generation of architects and and i love what you're talking about it's about communication you know it's about reaching out to people and getting involved with each other but uh, to do that you can't shy away from social media it's good to go to events in person it's good to have that conversation but my understanding is that that conversation can materialize in different ways i mean we were speaking on, on clubhouse a, f a few months ago and like okay I, i'm not on there so much right now and you are too but wherever the conversation is i think you've got to kind of ebb and flow and go with it i think to an extent youtube mm -hmm. is always here to stay because of the media the medium itself is quite powerful and it's, you know, it's on people's yeah. TVs. What's Everybody's your... just moving towards, um, the, uh, call it a criticism or an, a new era, but people are now learning through video yeah, uh, rather than reading a book or, you know, they want to listen and watch something because we are yeah. now the attention deficit disordered uh, yeah. era. Um, yeah, it's true, isn't it? And, so, uh, just got to go with the flow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I find that some key people will listen to like the Spotify on the way to work. Some mm. people have YouTube on the background. I'll do a live event and say now 50 people register, 10 to 20 people come in live, but the replay over the week will get three, four, five hundred views because people are watching it in bed, people are watching it in after work, and it's mm. like a totally different... Um, it's a totally different world in that front. The other um, key mm. thing, which I know is a hot topic because you've done it recently, is you had a chat with Charlie at the FAF. Mm. And that, and so the Future Architects Front was quite a big deal, wasn't it? Because I, uh, where I found it impressive, Amza, is that like that was bullshit. You know, I imagine a lot of people were telling Charlie, you can't say this. 
your career will never recover. You can't <laughs> say all that stuff. You can't go up against the big companies and talk about these issues. And he kind of did it. And I think that we can still feel the ripple of FAF. Whether or not the, these things change, the conversation is going and they should change. What I like is it kind of opened the door for the other aspect, which me and you are not directly involved, but we're indirectly in that world where the FAF stood up for part twos, you know, architects entering the architectural profession and talking about how they feel the working conditions are. I mm. mean, what was what's your thoughts on that movement? There's so much to say about it. And that's why I did a podcast. My last episode was with him. Oh, yeah. And... Get it out for people to find now. So where can we find yeah. that, Hamza? So we have a look. Well, we get your YouTube channel, right? YouTube for, yeah, for people who want to watch it. Um, and get that now. Okay. All the audio streaming platforms, if you want to listen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've known Charlie, like, probably several months before the actual um faf launched right. and we we kind of met through uh the mad collective yeah so it was um yeah there's the episode there you go i was like 50 minutes in you see you know <laughs> something popped up because because i'm in a, a 10 for de attention deficit world and i have a short attention span but it's a good episode yeah. so far and i'll continue it Great. Yeah. So with him, I, I've known, I knew him way before and I kind of saw the whole campaign start from literally just Instagram polls. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there'd been people in the past, like uh, notably Adam Nathaniel Furman, who'd kind of kicked up the, 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 the kind of the activism and, and, and kicked up the sort of awareness around exploitation for juniors in, in the field. Um, through a whistleblowing campaign. So the momentum was already kind of there. I think Charlie and the FAF kind of picked up on that momentum and really drove it home to yeah. the point where now the ARB have announced kind of the biggest changes in, in, the, yeah, in the last half good. century. <laughs> um, but I think the mo more interesting thing to talk about is, you know, I mean, I think it's it. We could get really deep into the, talking about working conditions, exploitation, and that could be a whole episode in of itself. But yeah. let me just kind of talk about the conclusion because the conclusion that was reached by him, by the FAF, and by the subsequent poll that the Architects Journal did, um, and therefore what actions the ARB are now taking, was the same conclusion that that I had you know, a long time ago and yeah. was actually the reason the Two Worlds Design podcast came up in the first place. So, you know, the Two Worlds Design podcast started from my apprehension of getting into a field and my kind of fear of being part of a field that was strictly doing one thing, like just building, building. Because I instantly felt, as soon as I finished my part one, that holy crap, we've just been learning graphic design skills we've just been learning narrative building storytelling fictional illustration we've been learning about historical writing socioeconomic you know politics i can go on we've been learning yeah. about all these things what other profession requires you to learn that much that quickly that intensely to height to that level okay then you add on to that when you do a specific architecture project so let's say you're doing an architecture project on um you know 
let's say you're doing it on um, biophilic design or something. You then right. become a little, you know, a six month long specialist in biophilic technology. You start yeah. looking at sustainable system. So what I'm saying is architecture is also the profession of polymaths. And, you right. know, maybe I'm being a bit arrogant here, but I'm biased. What can I say? <laughs> I think our profession is has so much more potential. Think of all the things I just named. Yeah. To then how much are we restricting ourselves to then just come out and we're doing toilet details, we're doing door details and we're designing a building. And I do not want to take away from the power of what, you know, a building does, what, mm. you know, what the urban environment does, what yeah. actual built structure does, because those things are magical in themselves and they, they change the world in a way they form the world. But there is, there is so much scope for when you leave architecture school. It doesn't make sense for people to go from such a diversified education system to then something that is so narrow. Um, right. And we're seeing that change. And so that, that's how the whole Two Worlds Design podcast started. I spoke to, first episode was with Shahid Salim. And he's, you know, he's, he's pretty much like a historical scholar who's redefining sacred space in the UK from due to his research. But he's an architectural, you know, he's an architect, he's a professor. Yeah. Second episode with Adam Furman. I've told you about him already. People probably know him as well. He's, you know, architectural background, dropped out before part three. And now he's like award-winning um, designer for interiors and furniture and just an a, amazing kind of philosophical mind as well. So yeah, I can go on. So the whole podcast is based on that. So after I spoke to Charlie and after the whole campaign went through that kind of, you know, incredibly fast paced, uh, kind of viral, uh, phase. And I think COVID played, we spoke about on the podcast that COVID played a massive role in really catalyzing the the movement because yeah. everybody was in the, in the digital space. Everybody was able to get behind the campaign and the conclusion he reached and they reached was we need to be more multidisciplinary architect, the term architect the architectural profession needs to open its doors, open its wings to provide more diversity in the services we offer, to, to allow more people to call themselves qualified architects who offer different ranges of services. So those things will essentially increase the value of the architect. And once yeah. the value of the architect is increased, all these things like exploitation, low pay, you know, exploitative mistreatment, all these things, they start to inevitably improve. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think what Charlie has done, what the FAF has done is incredible because what it's done is, is provided a robust case for this movement. It's mm. provided, it's actually initiated the conversations to happen at the top tables. And, you know, the ARB are now making massive changes to architectural education. It, it's amazing. And, you know, I think hats off to FAF and everyone involved and everyone supporting it really. And because it comes, the, the conversation has to be had. But I love what you said there. And I want to pick up on a few things on that because you're right. You know, in architecture, you start in the uni. And uh, I was, and just so you know, right, I, I imagine you got a really good grade for your dissertation you know you had a you know cohesive narrative i was that was not my strength right but i was good <laughs> at pitching work i was good at doing the presentations that was my thing and 
you know, I, I did get I did get a first for the design, but the other modules is a bit 50-50, like, you know. But there's room <laughs> there's room for some everyone in architecture. And I and the skills that you're on about is amazing because I think it takes someone brave as well. It's it's amazing to hit your part three. You don't have to go the traditional route. You know, there's room for people. I know successful people that have built businesses on the back of a um, you know a degree and diploma in architecture. I know programmers who do. Um, one of my best friends in universities, part one, who's gone on to like be involved in the user interface of like awesome apps, and they love his architectural design. And an interesting fact is that. So you know the platform the Architecture Social is built in Mighty Networks. The chief engineer behind the Mighty Networks um, used to be an architect, and I think really, yeah, and it was a small world because wow. because I, I was speaking to the owner of it because I'm one of her customers, and she's like, yeah, you know, and uh, you look at the new tech demo, and and the guy when he's making the tech demo for Mighty Networks. He bases it on um, an idea called California Architects. And I'm like, that's the architecture social. So I dropped him a message and he's like, yeah, wow. I used to do it. And now I do this. So, you know, these skills, you, once I think you're, you have the eyes you, you study as an architect, you have that. And even how I approach business, I look at it, you know, how, like, like from the perspective that I was taught. So, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> It's it's think, it's it's interesting. What do you think, it, Kamza? It's gonna it's it's gonna make a lot of people uncomfortable. It already has. I think maybe the maybe the generation or the people who think of um, I mean, look to, to the point of there is a place for everyone in architecture. Mm. For those people who are precious about, look, we have a very streamlined function in society. We design and and create buildings and spaces for people to inhabit and occupy and whatever, right? Yeah. I, I don't think that should be lost because, you know, all this talk of like diversifying architects coming out of architecture school and then they go and do, maybe they go and do brand marketing psychology or something. It's like, yeah, they're going to be amazing in that because they've learned how to, how people think. They've learned about human behavior. They've Correct. learned about what societies need. Therefore, they're going to be very good at those jobs as well. And that's why you see people go into those types of professions like UI and UX. So what what I was always thinking is there needs to be that level of flexibility. And that's why mm. each episode I try to get someone different who's doing something different with their architectural background and education. Right. Um, and amazingly also the FAF and Charlie said as well, you know, that the, 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 the ARB will be doing that. They will be bringing out more diversified opportunities for people to call themselves architects and opening up the education system. But it, like I said, is going to make people anxious. It's going to make certain people kind of scared. Like what the hell, you know, even me, like what the hell happens to my title once I get it, hopefully next year, like what I, it just, it doesn't mean anything. And yeah. the answer is maybe, maybe it won't, but, we're part of this change now. And what I see actually happening is if the term and the title architect dissolves and it's no longer this thing which everyone's chasing, but instead you can equate it to sort of the fine art movement where, you know, initially everything creative was art, was art but then technology came and now there's graphic design and there's, you know, and there's, um, um, yeah, what do you call it? Uh, sculpture or there's all sorts of different mediums of art and each one is now a different field and now a different specialism that 
the same thing could happen with architecture that suddenly you're not going to an, a school of architecture, but you're going to a school of, of spatial user experience design, yeah. or you're going to a school of, um, you know, building integrated management technology mm. where your focus in that school might be everything BIM oriented, everything to do with the construction industry. Whereas in the previous example, you're going into that school of um, spatial and you're learning about coding for uh, people to use websites and how does that actually correspond to the digital space that people occupy in the city, which was my dissertation, by the way. Um, so, you know, and we see a, a, a little example of this already, which is the mm -hmm. London School of Architecture, which is right. an apprenticeship specialized school. Okay. Which broke off from the stereotypical architectural template and is now offering a, a route into architecture as a field that focuses very, very closely on the professional working world. And I like that. So that's, that's there's scope for more, for more of that. Do you know what? I love it. Um, and I tell you what, for someone that's, I've, I left architecture in a sense to go away and I didn't do my part three. So send me your notes when you're done. Maybe I'll get my part three one day. But uh, I, I think there's something interesting about architecture and there's something that you can go into different careers and you can get all the money in the world and all this stuff, but there's something so cool about this like profession where you get to design, build, make an impact on the physical environment and make a difference on people's lives. So that's super, super cool. The thing that I keep thinking of, it doesn't need to be the one or the other, is is it? So what I like about, let's bring it back to the start of the conversation, which you can you can relate to, like content creation. It can actually inform, it can spread awareness on the design that you do for an architectural practice. It's not one or the other, and that's what I find interesting. It's not like, oh, I've got this other dual life on YouTube. You, I'm a YouTuber at night, and in day, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in you know, an architecture practice. I'm convinced that they too can, like, constantly boost each other and 100%. i think that in terms of the future generation of architects you need to keep constantly embracing those outer skills so i mean the last thought i have on that Hamza, before i open up the combo is that was interesting because i work part-time at Accra lowry and we're looking at in the practice every member of staff kind of has a specialism that they take pride in and they can be external factors which um, affect and bolster up the talent within the practice. So, for example, one person is actually passionate about all the regulations mm -hmm. that's going on with fire, but we've also got a VR department, and you know, the VR tool, which at first, you know, you have a few beers and you think like, oh, we'll get the the steam VR in, it'll be cool. But that was actually used in a planning, um, you know, speaking with the planning consultants to convince them that actually you couldn't see from street level the proposal. So all these things that you learn out there really, really affect the practice. And I think that talking about content creation, it has more effect in my world. So for example, the video that you did with Meg, uh, I got to see inside their office. I haven't been <laughs> there for many years and people can see that. And I think that that could be you know, there's other values as well as directly in architecture, but indirectly for the company through content creation, through other people's passions. Mm. Yeah, amazing. 100% agree. It's like, um, 
you know, one, as I explained, one scenario there of things kind of disintegrating in architecture practice or architects themselves kind of being different things. But the other option is just the definition of an architect opens up. And, yeah. you know, you, you look at firms around the world and, you know, even in, in the UK right now where they are, this is what I was saying, like diverse, we need to diversify the services we offer because, yeah. you know, and, and it's already happening. So like it probably happened before I even thought of it. You know, I'm not saying I came up with this idea. It's probably been happening way before, yeah. but I realized that, you know, once you, once a practice opens up the services it offers, business improves. And weirdly mm. enough, you know, as controversial as you, as you want this to sound, anyone wants this to sound, it's not, but a lot of the problems are caused by bad business in architecture. Right. A lot of the, because architects suck at business and you've probably, you've, you've done the talk with Ryan Willard and I've had him on my podcast and people should go and listen to those to, to hear the specialists talk about that. But it's like, there are practices now and, you know, you know, I've been looking at, for example, like Gensler, they, mm-hmm. they have, they have wings of journalistic practitioners in their practice. They have wings of um, people who are reaching directly to product design. So the, the, the practices themselves are opening up the service, the services they offer. And it doesn't mean that the, the term architect needs to dis- dissolve, but it could just mean that architectural practice architects themselves are going to be doing way more and business mm-hmm. is going to be good. And we're going to have more uh, sort of polymath-like figures in architecture. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk yeah. types, as controversial as he is to, to architects. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of enjoy Elon sometimes, and other times I'm like, oh my gosh, the stuff you're saying. Um, I was so engrossed in the conversation that I was a terrible host, and I forgot to bring up what was on the screen. And so an anonymous LinkedIn user, so you've got to click the allow rights on, on StreamYard, said, don't forget that the um, MST Architectural Apprenticeship of Cambridge, which is a course for gaining your degree while in practice, um, that was a shout out. And how cool is the Architectural Apprentice Scheme? I think what is amazing. Hamza, what do you think about it? No, it's good for that for that LinkedIn user. It's a strange name, LinkedIn user. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Anonymous. But, it's, yeah, it, no. Um, but you're so right to bring that up as well. It's not just the LSA who's pushing the boundaries with the apprenticeship style curriculum. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know who did it first. I must admit, it, it might have been Sheffield. It might have been uh, some of the other universities that have yeah. integrated apprenticeship schemes. It might have been Cambridge. I don't know. But yeah, that user that user is very right to say that, you know, apprenticeships, each side education is happening across the board. Absolutely. Mr. Anonymous or Mrs. Anonymous, thank you for bringing that up because it's a good point. Now, Victoria is here. Now, Victoria, thank (laughs) you for um, joining us. Victoria, uh, me and you did email each other a bit before. I am sorry. I will have to pick up the conversation, but I, I would love to know everything that's been happening and apparently there was a quote last night, it sounds like, which is awesome. And so I am sure, Hamza, you do think that it is a really important initiative and start of a legacy. So we'll have to check out that. Victoria, that's, so- um, yeah, that's Go just, I, I left a comment on, on Victoria's post um, today, just that, you know, you know, I'm talking about all of this shift and the ARB and all of these you know, amazing initiatives that people are doing yourself, Charlie, you know, the podcast, but yesterday at the Thornton education trust awards night, yeah, I, felt, I, 
I felt that shift as well, which was Did you? there is more recognition now for people who are pushing those boundaries in our field. And, you know, it's people like Victoria Thornton, it's, it's, it's places, you know, like the Architectural Association who are allowing for those changes to happen. And that is just, you know, I'm inspired by that. I, I, you know, they have my full support. It's just, it's an yeah. amazing time right now. A shift is happening. And I think um, the Thornton Education Trust is, is going to leave a legacy for sure. Amazing. I, 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 I'm learning more and more. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the Poor Collective, which is awesome. I, you know, I, I think this is amazing. I will, after this, I'm going to properly do a bit more research and check out the really, really cool resources you yes. have. I love, I love that kind of stuff. We need more so of this. What they're we? doing is they're trying to really encourage, you know, the, the professionals in this field, the people in education in this field to to do what we're trying to do, I think, Stephen, which is open up the conversation, Good. make edu- make architecture accessible to the younger generation and just be part of this movement to, you know, yeah. make it accessible to everyone. I um, think so. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it, I, th- I think part of that is allowing things to flex in our profession as well. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, I think, look, this is really interesting. Now we have a bit of fun here. Okay. So, because... Gonna have a bit of serious, but we need a bit of fun. And so, my thoughts on content creation is: let me is that you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but we need the balance of entertainment versus <laughs> education. Um, education is important. So, what else have I got here? So, I've told you I've got a few memes. So, what have I got? Isn't it weird I, though? By the way, that that's a mantra that we all just know without even discussing it. You know, well, had to had to battle the the worlds of education and entertainment. Well, it's no pre- content it's pre- creators. Well, this is it. I mean, my favorite meme is David Brent's fans, <laughs> which has nothing to do with architecture, but it's like this reminds me. It's like quintessentially what like working in an office can be. I love the series The Office. And wait, wait, he, play that again because this that's what I did when I won the award. So I got this one, which is him looking <laughs> little wink, and then the little dance. You're like, cheers, Victoria. Happy to be yeah. here. We walked yeah, up there. I, I, I wish I did that. I, I, I did. I did not do that. But I, you should do, I, I have a friend in architecture who uh, will rename, uh, remain anonymous. But we used to, in the staff parties, get a bit drunk and do the David Brent dance in the in the. <laughs> I almost said the name of the practice then, um, which wouldn't Ooh. be hard to work out if you know where. If you look at my LinkedIn, because I've only worked at one architecture practice <laughs> epr so yeah <laughs> I, I used to do that in a dinosaur costume where, do it now well what the i can't i'm sitting down but i'll i'll give it a proper go for you next time it takes a twist right you gotta do it yeah i'm not that flexible i'm uh, i tell you what will make you laugh because in the coronavirus building the architecture social has been sitting down for a lot of time so I'm like I'm 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 on, I'm, on my, I'm like I'm eating like have you seen Little Britain? I'm eating dust. I'm eating nothing. <laughs> I'm just drinking water. So I'm like I'm I'm like I'm I'm a little bit miserable at the moment. So it's yeah. good to good it's good that it's online. Now we I'll tell you what we'll do because you're a seasoned host. So for as long as you want now, how about before we end? You get to ask me any questions that you want, and you can flip this around. It can be about 
what I think the future of archetypes, I think we cover a lot of points. It can be like my thoughts on behind the scenes in recruitment. It can be about the architecture of social. Is there anything that you want to ask me? Or maybe how much money do you make? How much money do I make? (laughs) How much money do you make? Do you know what? People get so awkward talking about money, don't they? So awkward. They do. I made made a lot of money in recruitment. I'm now setting up my my recruitment business and working part-time. So I'm technically the brokest I've been for a while. However, this is entrepreneur world. So once the money comes in, so I've just got to pay up my bills, but the rest is profit. So um, the plan is to make enough money for me to have a good life, support the architecture social, and hey, I wouldn't mind a nice fancy car. Do you know what I mean? It would, what be, car? would be nice. Wait, let me guess. Uh, maybe uh, I want a two in recruitment, right? It'd have to be an electric uh, car because of the sustainable agenda. I, would have, te- I was about to guess Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, I mean, that that is such the content creator's car choice on YouTube, isn't it? They go like... I think it's an architect's Tesla. car as well. I think I think an ar- architect would love that kind of car. Yeah, I think Design, so. Design, sustainability, all that. Do you know what? On salaries, though, so if you want a bit of fun, one of the things I've developed on the Architecture Social is an open salary guide, and people can put in their salaries, and mm. that salary is then open. It doesn't put your name on there, but you can say, I'm an architect, I'm on 32 grand in London, or 34 grand. Because the secretism with salary is bonkers to me. You know, it's Okay, like, well, this is my question to you. Go on. What, what is, uh, for, for young practitioners in the field right now, yeah. I know that there's a big, obviously everyone is a bit fed up with low pay generally. Yes. You know, and I am okay. also of that school of thought where you're not just going to demand high pay and suddenly you get more pay. Yeah. It's a very complicated process. It's linked to what we've just been talking about, about how you increase the value of the architect. Yeah. Um, but what is a, you know, with all your background in recruitment and professional world, yeah. what is a good way of increasing or getting a salary rise as a young practitioner? Okay, good question. So... Actually, we're in a good time at the moment. So Reba released a survey that they've done. And for the first time in the UK, we've not had an increase in architects. So you could look at that as, okay, that's not good for the profession growing diversity, but where it is good for, and I'm going to put my business commercial hat on, it's good for commanding salaries. So immediately, less architects means that you are a more highly desirable commodity because there's less people. You know, that's just the way the world works. Less people, more demanding skills of the people that are there, the higher the salaries will 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 come up. Okay. Now it's harder to ask for salaries in a bigger company where there's structures, but it's still possible. So uh, some people, so there's big companies like Process and Partners, you've got the Gensers of the world, you've got, and you can always ask for salary increases in there. Just be aware there might be a process. So the trick is ask sooner than later because, you know, then you get the salaries there. In a smaller architectural practice, there's probably less of a process in between, but there will be a direct relation to value. So uh, key things is about taking responsibility, doing extracurricular stuff, but also bringing in value to the business. And that doesn't necessarily mean in longer hours, right? So if you Mm -hmm. develop rapport with with clients that's 
That's a very good way to make sure that you're never unemployed in the future. If you develop relationships wow. with clients and you leave a company, then in theory, if you're good, they're going to ask where you're going. They might want to work with you. And that is super highly desirable. So there's lots of different ways. I think, in short, saving time on projects, being a good um, people manager is always a good thing. If you can, you can, if you can curate a team to make sure it doesn't go over budget, then you can normally command the highest salary for it. However, or the one I think always works, if you have a good relationship with clients and you constantly deliver on that, then you're going to be in a very good position to negotiate a salary because you go, well, I, I look after X, Y, Z developers. You know, I know Jeff, we have a good relationship. I deliver for him. He calls me up on a Saturday. I take that call. Yeah. So there's, there's a few, there's a few different ways and, and content creation, I think to loop into it, like we talked about before is a value, but again, to a yes. client, you always have to bring it back to a business point of view. So, um, mm. it could be exposure. It could be about you bringing in graduates, Hamza on your channel who are aware of the brand. And I think that it's stuff like that, but you always have to bring it back to a business case. You know, working hard is good, but talk about deliverables, talk about stuff that you've done, you know, talk about relationships you have, talk about how you can save time and save money. And in the future, you talked about as um, architects in, in business, uh, we don't always make the best business decisions. And you're right, mm -hmm. fee negotiation in the future. If you're strong with fee negotiations, you're going to be the hero in the architecture practice, aren't you? If you're holding out that last percent with a developer, because you're just going to make everyone's life easier. You're going to have a better fee. You're going to do it. So there's lots of different ways. And I'm happy to expand upon that and with you on another time as well. But those are Yeah, but just thoughts. quickly, I, I want to say, obviously, that was just so much wisdom so quickly as well. So when you get on my podcast, we'll talk about that in depth. But, okay. you know, even just what we... To, to kind of go full circle, what we were just talking about of like, yeah. if the architect and the and the practice diversifies its services, imagine how much more they could get out of their employees as well. Because mm. if they had operations in the practice where they were, they had clients who needed graphic design being done, you know, holistic design, we're talking about a client that maybe needs the whole branding done. And this happens, obviously, you know, you're going to take, oh, when, when you're doing a project, you might not just be doing the, the shell of the building, but you're doing the interiors, you're doing the packages, you're doing the branding, yeah, hospitality, especially. So it's just amazing that we've gone full circle. Kudos to you for being such an awesome conversationalist as well. So yeah, man, that hopefully we, we speculate on the future of <laughs> the profession. Wow. Well, I'm sure there's lots to talk about and we will pick it up another time. This has been quite a nice hour. You've got a mini baby, a mini Hamza knocking around in the future. Last quick question before you go. If your son says I'm going to become an architect, what would what was your reaction be? I'd say define architect. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's gonna that's gonna be one for the future. We will send your your son this podcast in sixteen years, and he will probably say, "No way, Dad! I'm going to be a YouTuber." And actually, probably with your experience, you'll go, "Sam, there'll be a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of yeah. rewards there." So you keep doing it, Hamza. Yeah, you're I'd an die. absolute pleasure. <laughs> you're an absolute delight, as always. Thank you so much for joining us in the two world design. Check out all the good stuff, but check out Hamza Seeks podcast and the YouTube channel.
and I can, you can find everything from the YouTube channel. That's a good way to find you. You're on LinkedIn. Any last words before you go, Hamza, where, where people can find you? Yeah, I mean, just Google Two Worlds Design. It's all letters, T-W-O, Worlds Design, or Google yeah. Google me, and you'll find, hopefully, everything. Worked very hard on search engine optimization, so you should find it. <laughs> well, there you um, go. You thanks to at, you, man. You laugh at this, but my pleasure. I pro- Look at that. This was posted, an image, <laughs> on the Antics of Social last year. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get lost, I've got a link Brilliant. to Hamza's website from here. Thank you, everyone, for being in the audience and joining in. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Hamza. And quickly, Stephen, you're doing, this is an amazing initiative to have this kind of, I don't think anyone's doing live conversational discussions on architecture. So keep doing what you're doing, man. This is, this is important. I appreciate that. And I'm going to try and get the architectural practices in. So if we've got a brave architectural practice, who's going to be one of the first one, I promise we'll make it worth it while, but that's the way of the future. And I really appreciate that coming from you with your podcast. We're going to sign out now and you can be the family man and, and do and do all the good stuff. Thank you, Hamza. Have a good day. And thank you and everyone in the audience. Take care.